Limiting beliefs are the stories we tell ourselves that prevent us from pursuing our goals, dreams, and passions. They are the negative thoughts that make us doubt our abilities, worth, and possibilities. They are the excuses we use to justify our inaction, fear, and complacency. Today, Kurt and I are going to wrap up our conversation on limiting beliefs as we explore catastrophizing and the fear of failure. I'm Joe. I'm here with my pal, Kurt, and we are Dudes in Progress. Kurt. Hey, Joe. What's going on, pal? I am fresh back from vacation, two-week vacation, and back to work already, six o'clock in the morning with you. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad I'm your first action back from vacation. Let's get on with it. That. Let's dive right in hard. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Let me ask you something, Kurt. Where does your mind go if I send you a text that says, hey, we really need to talk. Call me later. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, that go it goes right to there's some horrible thing that's happened. I think that's I had that speaking of being on vacation, we've got a pretty good unwritten rule in my group. We try to back up each other pretty well. So when we're on vacation, we really want to be t- detached from work. The last time I was down at Disney World, I was remember I was walking with a friend towards Disney Springs, which is where they're shopping and food and area i was walking from one of the big resorts saratoga springs and i get a text from my boss that was like that and that doesn't happen very often and so i went straight to oh gosh what's happened already here i am right just on vacation and something's gone horribly wrong that maybe only i can give some insight into and i was wrong (laughs) he was just goofing on me because there was it, it was a situation where I had left him and told him about it, and he just was letting me know that I was right about the situation. So he was giving you a compliment yeah. for all intents and purposes. Yeah, right? he, yeah, he was just having yeah. some fun with me. So do you know what that's called, Kurt? I think I do from your intro. That's called catastrophizing. I have a hard time I saying the word. all the time. <laughs> I do it all the time. I find myself doing it more often now than I, than I ever have in the past. And I think it's a form of PTSD. I'm no expert on it, but I think it's a form of PTSD where your mind goes based on some past horrible experience, right? I know. I know when I receive a text like that, hey, we really need to talk. Uh-huh. Call me later. Do you, know what I'm, do you know what my very next action is? I'm calling them now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I'm not going to wait till later. That's true. We're, I'm going to find out right now what's going on. And That's it's a, usually something like, yeah, I just wanted to let you know that your bonus is going to be 10% more than what we thought it would be. Or, yeah, or That's true. But, some, but my mind immediately goes to somebody's in a car accident. I've said something wrong. I've done something wrong. Right. Somebody's whatever. Yeah. Something bad is happening, right? Not, it's just, why does our mind, why does our mind do that? Why does my mind do that? Mm. We talked a lot about limiting beliefs in the past few episodes. I know we had our little break there with our random questions, and that was a lot of fun. But we're going to wrap up today on limiting beliefs. And like I said before, I'm going to talk about catastrophizing specifically. And and of course, you're going to talk about fear of failure. Both of those are things that are 
prevalent in my life that I've experienced and that I continue to experience. But let's talk about catastrophizing, kind of the formal definition of catastrophizing. I pulled this from a couple different places. I think this definition comes from positivepsychology.com. Is a cognitive dis- distortion that involves assuming the worst possible outcome of a situation leading to anxiety and avoidance of taking risks. It is a common limiting belief that can hinder personal growth. According to a study, catastrophizing is associated with increased anxiety and depression, as well as decreased quality of life. Wow. (laughs) And this is, catastrophizing has a dramatic impact on me, Kurt. I'll, I'll just be very transparent here. If I go to do something, my mind will go to the least possible outcome. Not all the time. If I have a very positive experience with something over and over again, I don't tend to catastrophize. For example, if I'm going to a baseball game, no problem, right? I'm heading to a baseball game. I'm going to have fun, eat some hot dogs, maybe drink a beer, watch a baseball game. No matter if the Reds win or lose, I know I'm I'm probably going to have, have fun, right? Yeah. But there are those circumstances that when I go, when I enter into a situation that I catastrophize. I, I looked, I researched into a website called psychology.com and I mentioned it before. They gave a whole list of 15 or 20 things. I think it's 15 things w- where people catastrophize. And I just picked a few of them that stood out to me. The end of a romantic relationship is perceived to mean that the person is unlovable. Mm-hmm. If somebody, if you think somebody, do you remember that angst that girls would get the girls that you were dating or you would hear them talk and they think somebody's going to break up with them <laughs> and, or even guys do this too, if we're vulnerable enough to admit it and sudden, suddenly that, that makes them unlovable. It's the worst thing that could possibly happen to them in their life. Right. We've, we've all seen, we've all seen this one. A parent perceives a child's skin knee as suggesting that the playground is far too dangerous of a place for the child to play. Yeah. So they never take him to the playground ever again because yeah. of a skin knee or they heard of a skin knee or a child was, you hear this a lot in at Kings Island or amusement parks. Mm-hmm. Somebody, uh, there's an accident on some amusement park ride in Africa somewhere <laughs> or India, you know? Yeah. Uh, and suddenly they will never go on a roller coaster ever again the rest of their life because it's far too dangerous, mm. right? Here's one that, that really strikes home with me. After experiencing consistent headaches over the course of a week, somebody believes they have a brain tumor. Right. All right. Now, I'm not making light of somebody if they have cancer or a tumor, but how many times do we get an ailment and automatically go to that place? Oh, yeah. A pain of some sort. You don't know what it is until you get it diagnosed. I was thinking of a friend talking about the travel, the fear of flying. Now, that's a catastrophe that they are fearing. I'm guessing. I'm not sure. I think the fear of flying comes from the fact they think that plane's going to go down. There's only one result from a plane crashing pretty much. When all the statistics show it's you're safer flying from here to Los Angeles than you are are driving from here to the grocery store. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking because I was just on the road for four hours yesterday. I'll tell you, that's scary. There are a lot of more opportunities for bad things to happen on our roads, I can tell you for sure. 
the news leads into that too. You only hear the bad things that lead to a lot of those fears. You don't hear the planes flying, going up in the air and coming down and landing day after day after day right? without a problem. Right. This is, catastrophizing isn't just in our personal life. It's also in our investment life and mm-hmm. in our, our risk-taking assessment, mm-hmm. I guess, you our risk tolerance. Many people don't make the proper investments because they're afraid of losing all of their money. And then they take that thought of losing all their money and it ends up then being them laying in a gutter somewhere, mm-hmm. homeless, penniless, mm-hmm. abandoned by their whole family. Mm-hmm. Now, that may sound silly us saying it out loud, but these thoughts of thoughts that ruminate in our head mm-hmm. over and over again, and we build these stories of the worst possible scenario. When I say we, I mean me, okay? <laughs> but I'm certain I'm not alone. And I, and luckily, I'm not paralyzed by catastrophic thinking. I do have it, and it does lock me up sometimes, but I, I do get over it. Most of the time, I do get over it. I, I, I love the exhilaration, the exhilarating feeling of overcoming this catastrophic fear right? Mm. Of doing something that I'm afraid to do. I love being able to do that. It's not that I, it's not that I'm not afraid to do stuff. It just, I like the feeling of overcoming it more, but I certainly have a catastrophic feeling. You're almost getting into into my topic of the fear of failure. (laughs) You just gave me a strategy to accept the challenge and love the challenge. I, I, but this catastrophic thinking can go into so many areas of our life from work to relationships to how we perceive or how we take action day to day. It's something that I, I know that I have to get a handle on and that I have to be aware of. So I came up with three strategies, three actions that can help overcome catastrophic thinking or catastrophizing. Can I just give you one thing as an observer of someone mm-hmm. that saw you do this for a long period of time? is the stress you caused yourself or we cause ourselves thinking of the worst. You had a long-term one of these going on we've talked about and you thought of the worst catastrophe all the way through that situation. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. Kurt. Go ahead and read we've, my mail out loud. <laughs> wasn't sure if you were going to mind, but we've talked about this, the stressful and it was very stressful. I can't, I'm not criticizing you at all. Really? Other than now, we maybe we can look back on it and reflect a little bit more. Of when you have a you had a catastrophe at your house, but dealing with the insurance companies that is something I don't wish on anybody. After listening to your story and some others that are they're going through it, for sure. And the catastrophe of not recouping financially from this catastrophe is financials. I'm going to be talking about this, Joe. I haven't even said it to you, but I'm going to get into this book called The Psychology of Money. Yeah, the feeling of being ripped off, the feeling of not recouping. And in the end, I think you've recouped. So let's, that is a good thing to know that. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. You've come to that's my win for the week. You've come to, the, oh, good. So, yeah. To I, give I, some context, I. I just think you got, you really went through a lot of stress to, on to that. Those that I did. I went through a lot of stress on that. To say give the context least. For, for this, I had a flood in my house back in January. 
caused by a faulty dishwasher installation by Best Buy. And I'm just going to call their name out right there because yeah, they were not good. But when this first happened, immediately my mind went to the worst possible scenarios. Like, okay, my house is flooded. Who's going to pay for this? Am I going to be out of my... Is this going to be out of my pocket? Yes. Is my insurance going to come through? Is their insurance going to come through? All understandable. Instead of saying, yeah, but it, it's how I reacted, quite honestly. It kept me up at night. Yeah. I thought, okay, did I make the wrong decision here? Did I make the wrong decision there? It, it, am I framing what happened pro- properly? And instead of just letting the system work itself out, right? Part of this is a control issue with me as well. This was something that was well out of my control right right a lot of moving parts a lot of decisions that i that people were making that i had no control over a lot of second guessing myself so yeah i definitely spent about eight or nine months Mm. in catastrophic thinking but it's all okay now and we'll talk about that here in a minute so you're right kurt and i and i appreciate you bringing that up because it's it is a good example of catastrophic thinking of immediately going to the worst possible scenario and letting that rule your life mm. letting it ruin your life let it letting it cause you anxiety and stress to the point where you are almost paralyzed i'll use a smaller example so i just got back from this two week vacation which was something i've been looking forward to my wife's been looking forward to we had she had the covid Last time we went on to Disney World last year and definitely had an impact on our vacation. There was a lot of fear of that coming back this year. I had close to 100 people from my podcast that were going to be there as part of my G3. And there were some situations that happened early on in the trip that were really disappointing. And I started, my mind started going into places like, oh my gosh, is this, is this, event going to bomb and i can't get into the details of that because there's some personal things there but i mean my mind started going to think maybe i should just quit this whole thing (laughs) the whole podcast the whole that's how horrible my mind started going down and quite honestly thank you to joe and this podcast and that we do together thinking this through and being more analytical about it really the situations that were happening really happening to a small group and in my mind i was blowing it way out of proportion and Mm. really settled myself down and said you know what it is what it is and we're just gonna move on and i was able to work through that quickly it didn't impact my trip whatsoever and i feel great about it now but i yeah like that catastrophizing (laughs) was happening on my trip and that can happen. Right. You have this, you have those things. What could go wrong on your trip? And you look forward to it for so long. You're so excited about it. And it can definitely create stress while you're on vacation. You know what question I, I like to ask myself in situations where I'm catastrophizing is what if this is the best thing that's ever happened to me? Hmm. What if this is the best thing that's ever happened to me? And as it turns out, this flood isn't that bad right now, Mm. the way it all ended up, right? Isn't that bad? So I put together three little actions to help me and help us overcome catastrophizing. And the first one is just identify the thought pattern. Know when you're doing it. 
And this is with so much that we do. Yeah. Just identifying that we're doing something that is dangerous, that is impacting negatively impacting us. Identify the thought pattern. Recognize when I'm catastrophizing. Yeah. Identify it, and that'll help me understand whether or not this feeling is real, whether or not this anxiety that I'm feeling is real. Just, I, just to point it out. Mm. Okay, I'm catastrophizing right now. Is it reasonable in this moment? Do I have enough information to catastrophize? Or is the simple text from my wife that says, hey, there's something we need to talk about. Call me later. <laughs> is that enough information to, to, have, mm. to lead myself to this catastrophic thinking? Is that enough information? It's not, Kurt, is no. it? No, it isn't. And we can use that in so many. Understand, do I have enough information right now? to support this catastrophic thinking. If I don't, then I need to challenge that thought, right? I need mm. to challenge that thought and identify this pattern and just ask myself, what is the proper perspective here? What are, the, what are all the options, negative and positive? And maybe weigh out the options. Okay, was my wife in, was my wife in a car accident? Or does she want to say, I love you? Weigh out what the options are. Does she want to, is, has something happened to one of the kids or does she want to plan a birthday party? It's true. Lay out the options. You, Once you, you balance yourself, give yourself for, for the negative thought, give yourself a positive thought and it can really quickly, it helps me quickly gain perspective <laughs> and almost immediately reduces anxiety. Can if I give I you another suggestion, kind of, Joe? Yeah. Give you another suggestion. Have a conversation with your wife to not start a conversation with that lead in. That'd be helpful. Exactly. 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 But that's just not those conversations. I know what you're saying, but it's just not those funny little texts, but it's also, it can Don't be anything that, that I, that, uh, that gives me, that, that leads to catastrophic thought. I was thinking, Joe, of a situation that we had with my youngest son and was within the last couple of years and he ended up in the hospital, in an emergency room on, and I was at work and I don't know if I, we were, I was on the phone with the doctor, but somewhere along the line, very like immediately, they said that he may need even a liver transplant. And I went, what? Gosh, hardly even diagnosed, not even really totally diagnosed yet. And I got to say to at first, I didn't go to the catastrophe mindset. I went to anger right away. Right. It's like, right. how could they say something like that? to you over the phone and when we i went to to the hospital like we need to talk to this doctor like where are you how are you getting to that that catastrophe so soon and right. it was unfounded i was like we need to i was like we need to talk you need to get a better bedside manner dude so did you have that conversation with the doctor yeah we did so what was his reaction yeah, it was, we gotta tell you the worst possible worst possible outcome here. Like that's interesting. No, do they? I didn't think I mean, so. That they? was a stretch too. That's really interesting. My gosh, I would have been furious as well, Kurt. I would have been furious. Anyways, turned out better. He did have a tick bite that was really doing havoc to his liver. He was going into jaundice and that kind of thing. But they were able to. He brought us some specialists from Yale. And definitely got a hold of it. And it was definitely a scary, serious situation. But Wow. Yeah. 
So as I wrap up my little portion here on container, uh, again, identify the thought pattern, challenge the thought, and reframe the thought is really what we're looking, what we're trying to do. Make sure you understand that this is happening, okay? And once you're aware that this is happening, challenge whether or not this, is, this has a foundation in reality, right? Hmm. And is there evidence to support it? Is, is, there, is this something that, that is really possible to happen out of the information that you have or lack of information? And then once you feel yourself doing that, just reframe the thought. What are, your, what are the other options that, that you could be thinking about? And I have found that those three things genuinely help me with catastrophic thinking. Let's go to, let's go to Phil Failure, Kurt. Yeah, when I had this list of 12 of these self-limiting beliefs, fear of failure was number one on the list. Not that they were ranked in any order, but I think this was one that probably we would all agree we've heard about before. The fear of failure mm-hmm. is locking you up, as Joe would say. I guess it's so common that I didn't want to tackle it right away. That's the only reason I bypassed it. But as we're Mm. getting there and as you were talking about, you're catastrophizing the same kind of things I was thinking about fear of failure and fear of failure. Again, to give it a definition, believing that any attempt will result in failure, leading to avoidance of taking action altogether. Have you ever had something, Joe, that you were, afraid of that you might fail that you never take action on gosh i i can't tell you how many times the fear of failure <laughs> has paralyzed me yeah a lot of times it's i'm a decent public speaker right decent public speaker i have my little quirks but wow when i think about when i think about public in fear of failure and catastrophic thinking or kindred spirits. I was going to say brothers and sisters. Yeah, because when I think about when I think about public speaking or giving a presentation, especially when I'm giving a presentation to people who know the subject matter very well, I have I I, I do have this anxiety that I'm going to just get up there and face plant and not get the facts right, not get the information right, and be a complete failure, mm. and then that leads to catastrophic thinking. Yeah, I get it. The fear of failure goes with a fear of loss as well. What am, if I do this, what am I going to lose? Am I going to lose relationships? Am I going to lose money? Am I going to lose time? If I do this and I fail, what am I going to lose? That's an interesting perspective. I've not, I don't know that my mind goes there to what I'm going to lose. I don't even know why this fear of failure locks me up at all because I'm not that concerned about losing anything. I don't know that I'm concerned about looking foolish. The one example I'm thinking of right now is some home improvement stuff I want to do. And the fear of failure is definitely getting in my way because my lack of ability, and I've got to figure out and learn how to do this. Who am I going to fail in front of? My wife? I guess that's one person. Am I going to mess it up so bad that it can't be repaired? I don't know. Is it going to cost me more? I'm not sure what the underlying problem is that locks me up from getting started of doing this home improvement. And it's a complicated one. I'm, I think I'm going to bring in some, a plumber, for instance, because it's a small bathroom that I definitely don't think I want to take, tackle the plumbing part of it. 
but there's the flooring to do. There's sheetrock and some things like that. I've never done flooring before. And really the fear of failure is getting in my way, but that's one of my goals this fall is to redo this bathroom. So I'm going to, I'm going to use these strategies, Joe, to get over it. I've been working on this for a while. Sometimes you just got to lay the first tile. <laughs> what? That's it. Well, yeah, we can talk about those, the strategies and definitely the strategies I have. One of the first ones was reframe the failure that you were talking about. You got to understand that it's an opportunity to learn and grow rather than it being a negative reflection on your ability. And I love to learn and grow. When I think about the opportunity to learn and grow, and when I think about the fear of failure, my mind, it, it, my mind just branches out to so many possibilities. Everything from, from tarnished reputation, what will people think? And that's even one of those limiting beliefs as well. So I think fear of failure kind of encompasses so much, Kurt. Mm. I think about your, on, on your project. There's some small projects that I'm, I'm going to take on myself as we is now I have some money for the rebuild from the flood. There's some small projects that I'm going to take on myself. My fear of failure as it relates to that is how will it look? What will people think about my talents and ability when they see it? Will it be functional? If I do it wrong, <laughs> what kind of catastrophe is going to happen? So it does. Fear of failure branches out into so many of these other yeah. categories. I know. I, I hate redoing things. It drives me nuts. If I lay down this, whatever this flooring is going to be, and it's not right, oh my gosh, it drives me nuts to have to rip it up and redo it. When I think about the fear of failure also, I think about the fear of being exposed. Yeah. That maybe I'll, I'm going to be exposed that I'm not as smart as people think I am. Sure. Or I'm not as talented as people think I am. Or I'm not as, I'm not as talented as I think I am. Or as smart as I think I am. So it's easier just not to try. Yeah. Because if you try and, you, and it, it doesn't have the outcome that you intend, suddenly you're not as, you're not as smart as you think you are, mm. or you're not as talented as you think you are, or you're not as articulate as you think you are, yeah. or all those things. I think one of the ways I get around this too, in my daily work, we've talked about developing programs and applications. And I'm often tackling new technologies. I'm pretty, was the word humble? I'm pretty upfront that if I'm working with somebody to say, I've never done this before, but I am definitely going to get this done. I'm going to figure out a way. So I've built a resilience to that failure and know it's probably inevitable. I talked about one that I was building, I've been building and I took a totally different direction I had to rip everything out and start over again, but it was the right thing to do. I said, I'm going to give my, I had it done, but it wasn't to the best that it probably could be done. And I ended up within a week, I had it rebuilt in a better way. So yeah, I'm pretty resistant to that in my daily work, but those things that I've not done before, like home improvement is, or anything that you've never tried to tackle before in an area you, you have no expertise, that's where you really need the courage to overcome this fear of failure. Right. But yeah, again, reframing, having the proper mindset, setting goal. <laughs> Joe likes these, setting realistic goals. I think you're 
well known for talking about breaking down these larger goals into smaller manageable tasks, right? Right. You know what book keeps coming up? Routines and Habits. Atomic Habits is on every bookseller. It was in the airport. There's not a whole lot of books, but Atomic Habits was in the airport. I noticed it at Target one time after we were talking about it. That book is everywhere. There must be a reason for it. Yeah, yeah. James Clear and J.B. Fogg. James Clear did Atomic Habits and J.B. Fogg did Tiny Habits. They are really onto something. Yeah. They're really onto something that that can really make a dramatic difference in people's lives if they embrace it. Even my daughter said to me about this project, that's a lot of work. So people can feed into your fear without knowing they're feeding into your fear. But what helps me, something we've talked about, focus on the effort and the progress. Like, I don't have any time. There's nothing saying I have to have this done in a week. If I set my goal to have this done by the end of the year, that's fine. There's no big other than having, it's a sep, it's a spare bathroom. It's not like <laughs> we're not going to have a place to go, but it needs to be repaired. There's even leaks happening there that have to be taken care of. But focus on the process and the and that progress that you're making. We've always, we like talking about that. And that can be helpful. Know you're going to make a mistake. Be ready that you're going to probably mess something up. That's a good, that's a good point, Kurt. That's a really good point. Just plan for your mistakes, right? Know what's going to happen and prepare. Now, now there's, there is that fine line between knowing you're going to make a mistake and here we go again, (laughs) catastrophizing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just understand that, Hey, I'm going to make a mistake. Things are going to happen and that'll all be okay. What's the worst that could happen? I got to bring a professional in to redo what I did. Yeah. And depending on the situation, it's what you could have done in the first place, right? No harm, no foul. Take small steps. Something I have been doing is a lot of woodworking, which has given me more confidence. I've been working with power tools more than I ever did. And I have a lot more confidence. I've been to Home Depot a lot. So I know the layout. (laughs) I was thinking, yeah, I've, I've definitely... By taking action in other areas that are related, I've definitely built my confidence up a little bit more. Absolutely over the last few years. Visualize success and failure. Visualize both success and failure scenarios. By mentally preparing for potential challenges and setbacks, you can reduce the fear associated with them. I wonder if that could have helped you, Joe. Could you have visualized the successful outcome of your kitchen being redone? Yeah, yeah, and by the way, it wasn't just the kitchen. It was the kitchen, living room, family yeah. room, yeah, utility room. The whole thing got flooded. It was a it was indeed a catastrophe when yes. it happened. But yeah, I could have I and my wife was pretty good at this. Her confidence started to wane as we got to six, seven, eight months later and no action. But she was very good she was very good at saying these are what insurance companies are for. They have a process that they have to go through. It, it's all going to be okay. You yeah. have every, we have everything documented. We have everything in place. We've we have insurance as a backup, which I thank God we did, of course. And it, it's going to be it's going to be all right. That's a good strategy for this one too. Seek support and feedback. Surround yourself with support of network of friends, family, or mentors that can give you encouragement. There you go. You're doing, you were doing it, Joe. You didn't even know it. You should have, yeah. se- should have seeked more of that. 
and this is something that that we can chat about just for a second is have we said if we have these issues right now the fear of failure catastrophizing whatever it might be what can we do right now before the catastrophe before the event to set up our lives to make those future situations easier to handle or more manageable something as practical as make sure you have insurance yeah Make sure you have insurance. Make sure you've set yourself, your life up so that if something bad were to happen, you have insurance. You have a backup plan. You have a way to, to handle these, these issues. I like this one. Develop resilience. I don't know, Jody. Have, I have this feeling that our society is losing this ability to be resilient. Some stuff I see on YouTube, for instance, but... Build resilience to bouncing back from failures, setbacks, and challenges. I think that is a great skill to be resilient. And I think it's one of the most important skills that we can teach our kids. And I think this may be what you're alluding to. That yeah. The, there's a sense that this generation doesn't have the resilience, the ability to handle difficult situations mm. very well. We do too much for our kids instead of letting them fail on their own. Yeah. Letting them feel failure, letting them yeah. feel what it's like to fail and get up from that failure and move forward. Because doing that over and over again, you're learning from those past failures. You're learning that you have the ability to overcome them. I like this. This is one of my famous, I've, I've said this before. You got to have courage before you can have confidence. So take action despite of the fear. I think that is the best strategy. We talked about action. We started this with our law of attraction conversation, how important action is. And to take small actions despite your fear really gives you more confidence as you move through some of these things that you're afraid of, for sure. Little actions just grow. Yeah, taking action is the ultimate last step to everything, right? Mm, yeah. You can do all the planning, you can do the mindset stuff, you can do the you can do the prep work, you can do all this stuff. But until you take action, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. I just think this taking action despite your fears probably wraps up this whole topic that we've been discussing on these self-limiting beliefs. Embrace discomfort and take steps towards your goals even when you're afraid. The more you face those fears, the take more you action. Yeah. The more you take action, just the more confidence that you'll get. I thought this was a good discussion on catastrophizing and fear of fear of failure. I thought all of our conversations about lim limiting beliefs was helpful to me personally. And I certainly hope it was helpful to our listeners. What's going on over at the dudes in progress community, Kurt? Well, Joe, we have a listener, Kevin Curtis Allen, and he's part of my Disney world community, but he's also quite active with us and dudes in progress and all the content we create, even simple Joe that you've yeah, been. He's a listener to my simple Joe show. He's my UK correspondent, Kevin Curtis Allen. Not only, that's right. Not only is he a listener, but he's an advertiser for you because he has this habit of wearing podcast t-shirts to my events that have nothing to do with my podcast. So he had his simple Joe t-shirt on and he was very predominantly displaying it to me. This he did one thing during my event. I have a little speech speaking of public speaking that I was 
anxious about doing. But on Saturday, we have our big picture in, in Epcot in front of the World Showcase, and I brought him up front. I told a little story. That really, I was really pleased the way this whole thing came out. But I told the story about my podcast and how he's a part of it, and how I had this friend from the UK who kept asking me if I'd like to learn how the Brits come to Walt Disney World. But he had his podcast T-shirt on top of his shirt, and then when I he got to his turn, he took off his shirt and he had the geek and shirt underneath. <laughs> but that's funny. He's always teasing me with uh, other podcast T-shirts. So he had. What's the what's your t-shirt? What's the one of them that says that's not the simple Joe one. It's on your saying. Oh. Oh, I love you, but not in a weird way. That's the one. Yeah. He was wearing. <laughs> Shout out to Kevin Curtis Allen. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Always makes me laugh. Do you have a win for the week? It is the Grand Geek and Gathering that I held down at Disney World. It was something that's our fourth one. So I don't think I had any anxiety about the outcome of this it the biggest anxiety i had was all the swag i brought down and i had a hundred little beer flight glasses and sometimes we've been stopped at security for bringing glass into the park but i'm very proud to say i got them all distributed and even i built those beer flight boards i got those out to the winners of one of our events so all in all, it was an absolutely fantastic community event. Had lots of fun. My wife had fun. We had a nice vacation outside of, had some amazing resorts that I'll be talking about on my podcast, so I won't get into it, but great food, great fun, so many great moments and hanging out with friends and relationships that were built and people that came for the first time that had a great time. So win, win, win for the Grand Geek and Gathering. Yeah, I'm sure you had a blast, Kurt, and you have an awesome community over there at your De Geeking at WDW podcast, and it's what you've built there is something to really be proud of. The community, mm. the relationships, the listenership that you have is something to be really proud of, so I'm it proud was, of you, pal. It was nice fun. Job. Yeah, thank you so much. Glad it went well. Definitely. I have a win for the week. This is a win that is Nine months in coming, yeah. I Big finally one. received an insurance settlement for my flood in January. Yay! And, uh, yes. Hooray! It's awesome. Uh, financially, we've been made, I don't want to say it completely whole, Yeah. but it's good enough for, it's good enough. Right. It's good enough. And so we are, we're moving forward with some small projects that, we I've set aside until this this money came through from the insurance company. My insurance company will now need to subrogate to Best Buy and let them handle it. They're better equipped than I am to handle this. Yeah. And yeah, I'm pretty happy. I wouldn't say happy is not the best word, but I'm relieved. Right. I'm relieved at this point. Yeah, Put that so in the I'm going to call that my win for the week. <laughs> That's a big, we had two big wins this week, Joe. Yeah, and just to give some context, literally, this was a claim that was tens of thousands of dollars, and I happened to be blessed to have an emergency fund set aside that we used a significant portion of that emergency fund to start the rebuild and almost complete the rebuild, less a few minor projects, 
think the original thought was, okay, I'll, we'll go ahead and spend this money, get the rebuild started. Best Buy is going to come through within a couple months and no big deal, right? Right. That's where the catastrophic thinking started. Mm. And it was just, yeah, I, it was a mess. But now I'm relieved and we we can finish up this project. Uh, you told me this Saturday and uh, this was, I was so excited for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. I, Thank I, I was going to say um, we can now laugh about it. How about a resource? It. I was going to say we can now laugh about it, but we're still not laughing about it yet. Uh, yeah, it's rough. just, it's, I'm there. I could go into a whole personal commentary about the way, quite honestly, I've been treated by Best Buy and mm. their insurance company through this whole thing. Yeah. And maybe I will over at the Simple Joe show, but I'm not sure I'm going, how I'm going to handle it. There's a part of me that just says, it's done. Mm. Don't let it, don't let it take up any more of your energy, time, or emotion. How about a resource? You got a resource for us? Yeah. And this is inspired by my trip. I, little side stories going on in my community is weight loss or folks working on their health. I have a separate group in Facebook that organically I set up years ago. We talked with Tony Ann Zarcone about her 75 hard and I knew about, she looks great. I had a couple other people in my community who've lost some weight and I was very complimented. And one, one person I sat down at, at dinner at the Halloween party before the party really got started, who was talking to me about intermittent fasting, which I have done to some extent in my attempts at weight loss. And Joe and I, you and I have talked about this even recently on the podcast. It's something that probably we should get after. So I'm inspired by it. There's a, I did a little research on, found this Dr. Eric Berg and his how to intermittent fast for quick weight loss is a video. First thing I read and I started it this weekend, Joe. And again, I'm not going to promote any kind of loss for people, but this is something I have done before a little bit and I'm going to research and take it even more seriously and I'll uh, keep you updated. There were a couple of things that came out of this trip. When you go on vacation, you have a, some time to think about what you want to do when you get back. And so that's one that's coming out of that. And also this project I already talked about for the bathroom. And there's I'm reading a book on the psychology of money too. So I'm looking at some financial things that I want to take care of too. So yeah, how to intermittent fast is something I'm looking into. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check out. I've, I've read a bit about intermittent fasting. And to me, when it comes to weight loss, it's all about calorie control. It's all about your intake of calories. Mm -hmm. And there are some good ways to do it, and there's some bad ways to do it. You can, if you want to, if you want to take in 1,800 calories a day, you can do it in a couple ways. You can eat a plate of vegetables and lean meat and salads and really get a, a fulfilling mean or you, meal, or you can have a couple Twinkies every day. <laughs> yeah. And so it's all about how we control our calories. I, I firmly believe that. And intermittent fasting seems to be a very effective way to help people control their calories mm. if done in, a, in the right healthy way. So I'm looking forward to seeing the results of intermittent fasting. Definitely. And the money book. I, yeah, I, I definitely, I think that money book is something for that we can probably talk about at another time, but I know that you're really encouraged by this psychology of money books. I'll, I'll probably check it out as well. We definitely share resources a lot that way. Mine is a website that I use to uh, research for this particular episode. And, and 
if you want to find out more about catastrophizing and this limiting belief and how you can turn it around, uh, go to positivepsychology.com slash catastrophizing. Positivepsychology.com slash catastrophizing. I can only speak to this one article, this one post on this page. I know nothing about this organization in any way whatsoever. So I'm not endorsing the organization. This particular article was really helpful for me when I was researching catastrophizing. So positivepsychology.com slash catastrophizing. Let's wrap it up with a quote, Kirk. Failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. Failure is a delay, not defeat. It is a temporary detour, not a dead end. Dennis Waitley. Yeah, the fear of failure and overcoming the fear of failure is a huge step in moving our life forward. Mm -hmm. So I certainly appreciate that quote. Mine comes from J.K. Rowling. Mm -hmm. It's our choices that show us what we truly are, far more than our abilities. And the reason I love this quote, and I don't know if this is a quote directly from J.K. Rowling, or if this is something she wrote in one of her Harry Potter books. But I love it. Mm. It's our choices that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities. How many times have we seen very talented people that made very bad choices? <laughs> yeah. Right? I was just re- I, re- I was listening to a podcast about a football player named Arch Schleister. He was the n- next big thing in the early 80s. Ohio State football star. I think he went fourth. He was fourth round draft draft pick and he just fell apart because of the choices he made. Mm. He has a, he had a gambling addiction. He's been to jail several times, a drug addiction, been arrested for fraud and been arrested for a drug possession, been arrested for so much. Yeah. And this was a guy that had everything in front of him, all the ability in the world to be successful, but he made terrible choices. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Maybe my reading this book, Psychology Money, has a little—it's a premonition of what we're talking about because he starts out with those stories in terms of finances, like the Bernie Madoffs that were multimillionaires. Yet that wasn't enough; they had to cheat and break laws, even though they were well beyond any finances. They were set for life, and yet they still right lost it all by cheating and the bad choices very interesting and yet you they've got stories of the people who have worked a janitor job as they've passed on that they've got millions that they donate to charity yep right so interesting concepts there for sure yeah i love that quote joe very good good episode our website our website is dudesinprogress.com. Our email address is dudes at dudesinprogress.com. If you want to reach out to us, tell us what you thought about the show. Tell us what you thought about this series on limiting beliefs. Give us some ideas on what you want to hear on the show. We would love to hear from you. Dudes at dudesinprogress.com. And as we wrap up, Kurt, let's remember progress is better than perfection. So we'll keep moving forward. Yeah. failure's not in the way, Joe. We're going to push forward and do better next week. Awesome. Talk to you soon.